0: I thought I would just, you know, throw on some comfortable clothes. So, happy Father's Day, everybody. Um, yeah. Anyways, so it's great to be here. Uh, Pastor Ryan gave a great message last Sunday. Uh, the series that we're doing—it's a four-week series called "The Promise Still Stands." So, last week was week one. You're here for week two, and I'm really excited about this week. Um, the message today is the promise still stands even when crisis hits. And how many people know that in life, crisis will come, storms will come? Uh, how many people have ever had life go the way they did not plan it? <laughs> I don't think I'm, the, I didn't see any hands. You just kind of like sarcastically chuckled, like, "See, he serious? Um, yeah, I mean, life goes Uh, Wrong and goes not the way we planned it so often. It's just a fact of life. It could be uh, Something at work something with our finances storms come an unexpected health scare or medical diagnosis It could be a broken relationship. It, It could be a number of things, but life goes Unexpected all the time and so these storms come up and what we want to look at today is our response to the storm When the storm comes, when crisis hits, how do we respond? And we're going to be looking at two different texts, Um, one's in Mark and another one in Joshua in a little bit. Um, I I want to make a couple statements about the storms of life before we jump into the text. The first one is, I don't think I'm alone in thinking this, but as I was preparing for this, this, this is what came to me. Our society here, and especially in America, 2017, our society is obsessed With avoiding the unexpected. Okay? We're obsessed with avoiding the unexpected. We try to put so many safeguards and so many safety nets and so many plans in place. It's crazy. So, uh, a few months ago, my car needed to get fixed, so I brought it to the dealer, and because it was under a warranty or whatever, they gave me a rental car for free. Uh, they covered it and so I had it for I think a couple of weeks first they told me I was going to have it for two months the rental car because they needed to wait for a part and stuff and I was like well what kind of car is it for two months <laughs> so it, uh, unfortunately it wound up only being like two weeks but this car was a 2017 fully loaded sedan so I was like driving around in style for a couple weeks. <laughs> But I get into this car, and it's got your standard side mirrors and rearview mirror, and uh, there were, like, warning lights on each of those three mirrors. Then I go to put it in reverse, and this, like, 45-inch screen pops up in the middle of the dashboard, (laughs) and I can see, like, the entire state of New York on this thing. Um, It's this huge camera. When I went to park later... a front bumper camera came on as well, so you knew how close to get to things. When I tried to change lanes, it had lane control, so you had to like really move the wheel to get it to move lanes if there was something in your way, if it sensed anything behind you. Then, uh, just one time, it's the only time in my life I've ever done this, I was riding too close to somebody in front of me. I've never done that before, but <laughs> this one day, I was running late just one time. Better, I better stop since I'm preaching in church. But anyways, so I was running late, and uh, I'm too close to the guy, and my car starts to brake for me. I don't touch the brakes. The thing literally started to break. Okay, 2017. We are obsessed with avoiding the unexpected. Wouldn't it be nice if life went like that? would it be nice if we knew at all times, like, every possible danger And our car just kind of started to break when we needed a break. I went to back up, and I think this car knew when another car was just thinking about coming into my lane, (laughs) out of my parking spot. But how many people agree with me that life is not like that? We will not avoid or escape the storms of life. It's just not going to happen. And some people think that by being a better believer, you can somehow avoid this pain or these storms and it's just not true. Um, the, the 12 men that were closest to Jesus in his time on earth face storms all the time. And you, you can't really get much closer to Jesus than his 12 disciples. And they face storm after storm after storm. So I want to, real quick, just squash that notion But the, that the better the Christian we are, the more we pray, the more we read the word, that uh, somehow we're going to avoid life storms. That's just not going to happen. None of us will escape them. Uh, The other thing I want to point out is is when a storm comes, our reaction is so important. And uh, oftentimes, we go right into sort of a a blaming period. I'll talk about a couple of extremes in a minute, but I want to make this statement. Storms don't say things about God. They say things about us. That's my first tweetable quote today, so... I should see at least three or four people with a fire emoji. Just giving some suggestions. Storms don't say things about God. They say things about us. And that is so true. So, so true. Um, Crisis reveals what's already inside of us. It's a manifestation of who we are. And so there's a couple of extremes you might find yourself in. Um, I found myself in in both of these extremes, but one is the freak-out mode. So a storm comes, and we just freak out, okay? How many people are the freak-out people in the room when storm comes? Or how many people are married to a freak-out person? No, don't raise your hand. (laughs) It's Father's Day, but we can't get too crazy up in here. Um, and, And so... That's the first extreme, you know, we go right to anger, right to anxiety, right to panic mode. And then the other extreme is complete numbness, Um, just kind of being shut down. And uh, it might stem from a whole like woe is me, self-pity thing, or maybe you were raised by the freak out person, so you've decided to be the opposite of the mother or father that was the freak out extreme. But numbness is another extreme, sort of giving up and not caring. And uh, I just want to uh, point out today that both extremes are unhealthy. And uh, you're not alone. I think it's human nature. If you find yourself in one of those two categories from time to time, that's human nature. We're going we're to look at a storm that the disciples faced, and we're going to see them go into freak-out mode, even these guys that were so close to Jesus. Um, the first text that's in your bulletin is in Joshua. And so... On the front page of your your worship bulletin, um, you'll see the text from Joshua 6, which we'll get into in a minute. This text, Mark 4, verse 35, um, you're going to actually have to pick up a Bible to read this one so we don't have it printed on the bulletin. How many people still have a Pages and Ink Bible? Let me see it. I don't believe you. Um, And how many people use their phone or their iPad? Let me see it. Yeah, that's me. I literally—I don't think I've opened up a physical Bible in like three years because I use my app for everything. Wow, I can't believe how many people gasp at that. <laughs> it's not a problem, guys. It's the same thing. Um, so, yeah, you've got to open up your app for this or open up your, uh, your physical Bible. And uh, we're going to read Mark 4. Now, I know Mike likes us to read together, but it throws me off. I can't stand it, so don't read with me, please. <laughs> Read, uh, read quietly to yourself. I don't know if I have like an audible thing. I just, I don't know, whatever. So the first couple of uh, chapters of Mark or, or the previous couple of chapters, we see Jesus doing all these great things, healing all the sick. Casting out demons, and he's got a large crowd together, and he's preaching and teaching to them. And then, this is where we pick up, verse 35, of chapter 4. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the storm, sleeping on a cushion. <laughs> The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Is that the uh, numbness extreme or the freak out extreme? I don't know. You can decide. So in verse 39, it says he got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Verse 40, he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I love this story. It's such a powerful example of the authority that we have in Jesus Christ. Um, And so we're going to look at a few things surrounding this story. Um, The first thing is uh, that the disciples had just seen him work miraculously. They had just seen his power, his goodness on full display on the shore. And so they get into the boat, and they get on the lake, and the storm comes, and they have what we like to call selective memory. Anybody else ever suffer from this? (laughs) As soon as the storm comes, you're like, here we go again. This is always me. This is what happens. Um, You know, uh, I can never get ahead. I can never catch a break. We immediately forget about the faithfulness and the goodness of God. And so that's what the disciples did. They were terrified, and they went into freakout mode. That is the extreme. Can you imagine being the disciple that shook Jesus to wake him up? <laughs> I would not want that job. I'm going to guess they like Drew straws to see <laughs> You hit him. No, you hit him. Um, so they shake him and wake him up. What's wrong? What's wrong with you? We're about to die. You don't even care how many people have ever talked to God like that. Even if it wasn't out loud, but you thought it in your, in your heart. Like, what the heck? What's going on? You know, why me? Why this? Why now? Don't you even care about me? Don't you care if I drown here? And so we get selective memory and we get scared. Now, what's, I guess it's hilarious but powerful is that Jesus says, why are you so afraid? Can you imagine that response? It's like, because uh, we're about to die? But it wasn't that Jesus didn't see the same storm that they saw. He saw the storm. The thing is, he's the only one that saw the storm for what it actually was. They saw the storm and got scared and saw defeat and saw certain death. Jesus saw the storm and he was able to sleep. He was able to rest because he knew who his good father was. He knew who God was, and he knew who was in control. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about this, and I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. It's the Ohio River Valley, and uh, we had tornadoes from time to time down there. Not as much as, like, way out Midwest, like Kansas or Oklahoma or whatever, but we had quite a few tornadoes. And so around that season, when they would come, we would often hear the tornado warning on the news. Uh, there was no internet back then, or at least I didn't have it, um, and or on the radio. So everybody heard tornado warning, and uh, uh, my mom would have a whole plan in place for how to deal with the tornado. So she'd get us all in the basement. There were blankets, sleeping bags. Um, I can't remember if there was a TV, but there'd be a radio so we could hear things in case things went bad, candles, flashlights, board games, snacks, drinks tornadoes were amazing for me. I was five years old and I was having the time of my life. I'm like, when's the next tornado? Can't wait. And we, us kids, us four kids at home, we weren't really scared. I mean, there was a little excitement, a little nerves, but mostly it was a great time together. Thankfully we were never devastated by one. But, uh, you know, this is the same thing with Jesus. This is the same thing with our father. We should be able to rest in the midst of the storm. Jesus was able to sleep while the storm was going on because he knew who his father was. And uh, and that's what I experienced, too, when I was young. You know, the other thing uh, that happened and and that happens oftentimes um, when we're going through a storm is that we forget And this is the second tweetable quote, so get your thumbs ready. Uh, We forget that what Jesus says on the shore is still true in the boat. That what Jesus says on the shore is still true in the boat. I can't take credit for that, so when you tweet that out, Michael Plunkett. He's the one that said that. (laughs) Credit where credit is due. Mike stole that from you. Uh, Mike has said that over and over throughout the years, and it's always impacted me in such a powerful way. I want to say it again because I don't think everybody got it. What Jesus says on the shore is still true on the boat. And it's such an important thing to remember. That, that right there will keep us from those freak out moments. That will keep us from the, the self-pity and the um, going into sort of a state of numbness as well. Would you turn around and just tell somebody next to you that the promise still stands? Now turn around and tell the other person next to you. The promise still stands. Even, even when crisis comes, even when the storm's coming, the promise still stands. What he says on the shore is true in the boat. Now I want to point out a couple things before we jump into the next example of this um, about what Jesus did. And, and this is my sort of philosophy, theology. This is my take on it. But Jesus stood up And he spoke to the storm like an evil spirit. He rebuked it. If you go back to the verse, it says that he rebuked the storm and commanded it to stop. Um, Sometimes our storms are just a direct result of poor choices. You know, sometimes we get the flat tire because we chose to ignore the construction zone signs and like drive through where we shouldn't go or whatever. So sometimes a storm is a direct of bad choices. But here's my philosophy. Anytime a storm comes, I treat it like an evil spirit. And I figure that way I can't mess. So every storm, to me, I'm going after it. I'm rebuking it, and I'm taking my authority in Jesus' name over it and commanding it to flee. And that way, you know, it's kind of like if you shoot everywhere, you can't mess. Sort of a philosophy. <laughs> That's the strategy I implore in Halo 5 on Xbox One. Shoot everywhere. Shoot everywhere. You'll hit something. Um, But it's so true, and I want to encourage you guys to do this. Um, This might be a foreign concept to some of you. um, Or it might be that you were taught, like, oh, don't over-spiritualize everything. Sometimes you just get sick because you get sick. Maybe you shouldn't rebuke that. Well, what do you have to lose? Stand up, take authority, rebuke it in Jesus' name. And I want to talk specifically to the Father's Um, here this morning since it's Father's Day. This is our chief responsibility as fathers. We are the heads of our family, the head of the household. We are the worship leader of our family. And so it is our job to stand up in a couple different ways, but stand up and declare the promises of God over our families. And it's our job to rebuke the storms and the attack of the enemy. This is our job. You know, worship is not some cool people in tight jeans on a Sunday morning. (laughs) Worship is declaring that the promise still stands no matter what. And so dads, find some alone time where you can do this just with you and God. But also, I really encourage you to build this into your week at some point. Get your family together in a living room or around the table or whatever you do before the Netflix movie starts. It doesn't have to be a three-hour experience, but get them together and lead your family in this. Rebuke the storms, rebuke the attack of the enemy, and declare his promises. Amen? Amen. I think this is the most important thing uh, that we can do, and it'll help make sure that we don't respond Filled with anxiety and anger when storms come or that we don't slip into a passive state and just kind of say whatever happens, happens. Okay, we're going to jump into our text that is on the front of your bulletin, but you're still not allowed to read it out loud. You can read it quietly. I said that in the first service. I still had a couple people read it with me. Got me a little angry. I haven't repented yet, but I'll deal with it after church. Uh, so, Joshua, this is an incredible text uh, here in this moment uh, in, in history where Moses has led the people of God, you know, out of captivity and, and uh, through the Red Sea, across the Red Sea. And then uh, due to some disobedience after wandering in the, in the wilderness for 40 years, um, Moses is not allowed to bring the people of God into the promised land. So he... Uh, passes on and he uh, passes on his leadership his authority to Joshua so Joshua is tasked with leading the people of God to the land that was promised to them after 40 years of wandering and you know I was thinking about this this scripture if we read uh, I think in Joshua 4 or 5 um, Joshua has his own parting of the sea experience which never gets as much uh, you know, spotlight attention as Moses. Whenever we think of parting the sea, we think of Moses leading the people out of Egypt and, and across the Red Sea. But Joshua, I don't know if you ever caught this, does the same thing with the Jordan River. They go to cross the Jordan River into the Promised Land. It's keeping them, obviously. There's no bridge or anything. No Tappan Zee work projects happening. and uh, you know, So they do a supernatural build. Uh, bridge build there, and they send the ark of the covenant, and the priests are holding it. And as soon as the ark hits the water, the wall dams up on either side, and the entire group walks through and across the the Jordan River, uh, and into the Promised Land, which is so powerful. So here's Joshua, first day on the job. Where do you go from there? Like, <laughs> it's like that's incredible. First day on the job, that's what happens, and. So now they've crossed into the promised land, and they know they're going to encounter some enemies, so they get to the walled city of Jericho. This is their first stronghold. The, the walls of Jericho are 70 feet high, 70 feet high. And uh, so Joshua is, you know, wondering what's next, and, and he's a man of faith. He's a man close to God. God's speaking to him. So this, let's, let's read here verse 1. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred. Because of the Israelites, no one went out, and no one came in. And in verse 2, then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Let me just stop there. Seventy feet walls, gates are shut, no one comes in, no one comes out. And then God says, See, I've delivered Jericho. It's like, Joshua's like, Are you looking at the same thing I'm looking at? Because seeing different things. This is kind of like Jesus in the boat. Why are you afraid? Uh, the storm, Uh, you know, (laughs) the water filling the boat. Um, so this is what God says. And, you know, often when we're facing the storm, um, what God is telling us, our, our circumstances won't always reflect what God is showing us and telling us. You know, it doesn't quite make sense, but this is part of declaring that the promise still stands, is declaring the victory for the battle that hasn't even taken place yet. And so this is how God speaks, and this is how I want to speak. See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. While the walls are still intact, while the gates are still shut, God says that he had already delivered Jericho into your hands. Along with its king and its fighting men, march around the city once with all the armed men and do this for six days. So yeah, uh, let's keep reading and then I'll go back to that. Verse 4, have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them, sound a long blast on the trumpets. Have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse, and the army will go up, and everyone's straight in. Powerful, but crazy. <laughs> it's like, can you imagine Joshua goes off by himself to hear from God? He hears from God. He comes back. He's talking to his generals in the war strategy room. It probably looks like the White House now, you know, like the war room. And he says, all right, I got the battle plan. And they can't wait to hear it. And he's like, we're going to walk around the city. We're just going to do that six times. And then on the seventh day, we're going to do it seven times. I mean, what God tells us to do when we're in the storm and when we look to him and listen for his voice, what he tells us to do will not always make sense. In fact, usually it doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, he wanted to see the walls fall. He wanted to see Jericho delivered into his hands. God had just told him that that's what he was going to see. And he's like, how's that going to happen? We're walking around the city six times and then seven times. It took about an hour to walk around the city. Um, and I, I look at that second bullet point. Can you imagine, you know, let's look at it this way. There's an Israelite soldier getting dressed early that morning in his tent or whatever humble abode they had. And his wife's helping him get his armor on. And she's like patting his big strong muscles and saying, my big, strong warrior, you're going to go out and, you know, cut off some heads today or whatever. I don't know, whatever they did. And so he's pumped up and they set out. And an hour later, he comes back and she's like, wow, you guys are quick. Tell me what happened. She bring me anything. And he's like, "Uh, we just walked around, you know, took a little stroll around the city. No real fighting today. I think we're just scoping the land out, looking for the best plan of attack. You know, we'll figure it out. Joshua's a good guy. He's he's gonna he's gonna give us a good plan. So that's day one and then day two, and then day three, all the way up to day six. By day six, you're probably like, all right, here we go. This armor is way too heavy. Walking around the city six times. And here's the thing, folks. Obedience is up to us, but outcome is up to God. So even when it doesn't make sense, even when it doesn't make sense, stand up, rebuke the attack of the enemy. Tell the storm to calm down and declare his promises and walk in that obedience. The outcome is not up to us. The outcome is all in God's hands. And on the seventh day, when they marched around seven times, those, and they gave that loud shout, and they blew the trumpets, which is, which is a, a sign of praise. What it's telling us is our praise is a weapon of warfare. When they did that, the walls come crashing down. And you know what's cool is they even crashed in such a way, the way that they collapsed, that it basically built a staircase for the Israelites to go right up into the city. That's how amazing our God is. That's how amazing he is. That Joshua's at the foot of a 70-foot walled city, and it's shut up, and God says, I've delivered it into your hands. And Joshua had the faith to step out and do something crazy because he believed that the promise still stands. You turn around to somebody behind you and tell them that the promise still stands. You know, um, the other thing I want to point out, and there's sort of a progression of our steps at the bottom here, that we need to hear God's voice. We need to obey him. And it takes faith, but it also takes perseverance. You know, if Joshua and his army stopped on day six, those walls would not fall if they stopped on day six. And the other thing is to take away from this is it's an undetermined amount of time for us. You know, it would be nice if it worked like that rental car that I was in. And we knew, here's a storm, but guess what? I got 59 cameras in your car. And you're going to know every little thing. And this is when it's going to be over. But for us, usually the storm is for an undetermined amount of time. And God is asking us to trust him even in the midst of that. So I want to call you to persevere in your faith this morning to not give up. You know, I I imagine that first trip around the walls. Joshua's like, this is crazy, but I'm going to do it anyways. And then by like the second, third, or fourth day, he's like, please let one brick fall. Just give me a sign. Let me see a crack in the foundation. Let me see a little pebble fall from the sky, something. Give me a sign. But there was nothing, nothing happened until he completed what God asked him to do. And so I want to encourage you, whatever your storm is this morning, um, I was thinking through being Father's Day, and this has been heavy on my heart really for a few weeks now, but particularly this week, if you are um, uh, faced with a situation where you're believing God to bring a prodigal child home, I want to encourage you specifically this morning on Father's Day to not give up, to not give up, to not stop on six to not stop short of what God's calling you to do, but to rise up in faith, rebuke that storm that's coming against your family, declare that his promises are good and that his promises still stand. And when you step out in obedience and you don't give up, I am sure that he's going to bring deliverance. This is who our God is. He brings victory. He's the God who at the foot of that walled city says, see, I've already delivered it into your hands. It might not make sense. I know that they look crazy on Facebook. (laughs) I know that they're doing things that you don't agree with, that I don't agree with. I know that it looks like they're lost, but don't give up. I have delivered them into your hands. He is bringing us victory this morning. I really and truly believe that. If you're faced with a medical crisis this morning, a diagnosis that came out of nowhere, a medical issue that you've been dealing with for years, a health scare, whatever it is, if there is sickness in your body, I want to encourage you to rebuke the attack of the enemy and declare that our God is the God who heals. Our God is the God who saves. And to not give up and to not stop on six. Um, This morning, I think our response uh, is a couple of things. And I'll call the worship team up now as I close. I wanted to... um, build in a couple of extra minutes for a response time this morning. Um, our response is a few things. One, the first one is, I think that there are some of us in this room, and by some of us, I mean all of us, <laughs> uh, that, that need to deal with God um, about the way that we have responded in the face of storms. Um, when a storm comes, uh, too many times I have gone to freak out mode, anxiety, fear, anger, and I've let that come out. And likewise, there's been plenty of times where I've shifted into passivity and complete numbness, and I don't think I'm the only one in the room that's done that. And so this morning, um, I would encourage you strongly to not leave this place until you've kind of taken a gut check and and in taking stock of how you've responded when life storms come and if it's that uh, you need to repent would you do that this morning that is that that is a really simple thing in a lot of ways it's just confessing your weakness it's it's owning it if we don't ever own these manifestations and these reactions to the storm we're never going to grow we're never going to get past them we're going to see the same pattern repeated over and over in our lives And so I encourage you to do that. Um, The other thing that I I think uh, a lot of us in this room can do this morning is whatever the storm is that you're facing, whatever the walled city is that you're facing this morning, I I think it would be really powerful, and I think God is here for this this morning, that you would declare over that thing that the promise of God still stands. If it's a prodigal son, if it's... um, a sickness, if it's a business that's floundering, if it's a job that you hate, if it's a relationship that's broken, if it's a marriage that's suffering and in trouble, would you declare this morning that the promise still stands? And I don't want to just say these words and think that they're nice. I want to encounter God this morning before we leave this place. And again, uh, some of you might respond this way. Maybe you've been declaring the goodness of God. Um, you know, I want to encourage you, if you're feeling defeated, if you're feeling discouraged, I want to encourage you to not give up. So uh, this morning, before you leave, if you've if you've been feeling like, I've you know, I've been doing this, I've been declaring, I've been asking, but I'm not getting anywhere. This morning, I would love to pray for you as you sort of confess that and and get encouraged today to not give up and to persevere in your faith. I'll pray, and we're going to sing the chorus of a song, and then we'll take it from there. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word to us this morning. I thank you for your word in in Mark and Joshua um, that we saw today. Lord, your word says that your promise stands always, that you don't change that what you've done on the shore, you'll do when we're in the boat. Lord, that what you say on the shore is true in the boat. Lord, we, we put our faith and our trust in that this morning. God, I pray right now, no nice words can do this. No invitation from me could do this. Only your Holy Spirit can call us to repentance. And so I ask now, Holy Spirit, that you would move in this room that you would go to each heart and that you would call to memory and call to mind um, what you're bringing up in our lives in terms of our response to the storm. Lord, would you bring it up? It might be painful. It might be humbling. But we know, Lord God, that you have good plans for us, plans to see us prosper in advance, that you have a promised land for us, Lord this morning we want to see that we want to see your promise so come Holy Spirit and work in Jesus name if you want to sit and do business with God that's great if you want to stand that's fantastic if you want to come up for prayer we're going to sing this chorus once or twice and we'll see what God does I'd encourage you not to run out just yet
1: walking around the Walls, I thought by now.
0: Something so powerful about declaring out through song that his promises still stand. And I believe the Spirit's here, his presence is here. I believe that there's victory so close for so many people this morning. So we'll sing it one more time, but I really want you to just take a stand. Take a stand. Declare this over your families, declare this over the storm, declare this over that walled city. Because we have a faithful God, amen? We have a faithful God. Come on, let's declare it out together. Your promise still stands. Your promise. Your promise still
1: stands. Great is your faithfulness.
0: song that says you made a way when there was no way. It says that I've seen you move. You've moved the mountains and I know you'll do it again. Let's let our faith rise and declare this over our lives. God praise this morning. He's the God who makes a way when there is no way. Such an awesome God we serve. Thank you so much for being here today. Looking forward to seeing you again next week. Have a great Father's Day. If you want to stay and worship a little bit longer, you want to come up and pray, you are more than welcome to. Thank you.